it's just great to be here in fellowship today. There's a great group of women. We had a great group last night. Again, I'm going to thank Dawn and her committee. I know it takes a lot of time and effort to put an event together, and there's obviously a lot of attention to detail, so I want to thank you for that and just the opportunity to be here. <laughs> oh, I also want to thank those of you that have been in prayer. A lot, Many of you have come up to me and, and told me that you've been praying about the day and about the event, and I so appreciate that. Um, Art came in this morning and prayed over me. That's just so special. And so you just know that the Lord is with you and that the Holy Spirit is with you. And I was commenting over at my table, you know, there's just some things I don't want to forget. And uh, Vicki Culley, in the wisdom that she has, she said, well, sometimes the Lord wants you to forget things. So that can happen too, I guess. Um, I do have a qualification for being up here, and that is that I'm willing. Donna mentioned that. I'm willing to be up here. Aside from that, because I look out over this audience, and I'm extremely humble because I see friends and family, women that I've known here in my five-plus years at KCC, that I see Bible, avid Bible students, just Bible scholars, really. You've been my teachers. You've been my mentors. You've given me words of guidance and counsel and wisdom. You've made me laugh when I needed to laugh. I see exemplary wives and mothers, and I see women that have hearts full of love and compassion that you're serving not only here at Kerrville Church of Christ, but in our Kerrville community as well. And so I'm deeply humbled to be before you. I am not under the delusion that I'm going to be giving to you some great spiritual truth that you've never heard about or a theological idea that's never occurred to you, but I am reminded of what Peter said to the church in general in 2 Peter chapter 1, and he says, but I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you have. I think it's right to refresh your memory. That's what we're going to be doing today. I'm going to be refreshing your memory about things that you already know, things that, that maybe we just need to take a little closer look at. And as I said, I don't expect to give you some new theological idea. Now, the real title of the program today is Pancakes. Pancakes, exclamation point. That's thus, pancake mix on your table. Pancakes, passionately living for God. And last night we just did a little pancakes demo, just a little intro. But I'm going to tell you a story and you're to, so that we can make this connection between pancakes and passionately living for God. It's a simple story. It's just a story that through the years has come to have some meaning to me and my family. Occurred in 1996. Jeff, Chase, and I were living in Albuquerque. We'd been there about a year, and Chase and I had made the 10-hour drive back to Stephenville and Abilene area to visit with family. We'd been there a week, and we just had a really great time. And, you know, the, Chase has cousins there. My sister-in-law has four kids, and they were just having fun. So we just really weren't ready to give that time up, so they came back home with me. My sister Donna, my sister-in-law who couldn't be here today, and her four kids. So these were kids ranging in age from three to about 11. Piled in two cars, make that 10-hour drive back. You know what that's like, traveling with that many kids and how many times you have to stop. It was not a 10-hour drive coming back. And then we get home, and you know, you know how it, when you get ready for company, you go to the grocery store, you do a little extra cleaning around the house. Well, I've been gone, and I just brought all these people back with me, not totally prepared for company. That's okay. You know, it's family. But anyway, we get up the next morning and got all these people to feed, and I'm like, what are we, we going to do? And I, so I said, 
um, would y'all like pancakes for breakfast? And they said, okay. I'm like, I am not fixing pancakes for all of these people for, okay. And so we just get, I just thought, I'm not doing that. So I get out some cereal, put that out, kind of a self-serve breakfast. They come in for breakfast, where are the pancakes? I said to them exactly what I said to you. I am not cooking pancakes for, okay. You know, you got to have a little more energy, a little more excitement about that. Um, so anyway, they eat their pancakes. We go on about the day. The next morning, I say, would y'all like pancakes for breakfast? Pancakes, pancakes, jumping up and down, yelling, shouting, pancakes, pancakes. They can attest to that. To, and so guess what? We had pancakes that day for breakfast. Now here's the connection. To this day, pancakes in our family, that is the response that you give to any kind of question where less than an enthusiastic reply might be misinterpreted as disinterest. So pancakes to us is passion, excitement, energy, zeal. Through the years as the kids were growing up, do you want to go play in the park? Do you want to go to Six Flags? Pancakes, pancakes. <laughs> we say pancakes at birth announcement and engagement announcement. It's just a term that we have used over and over. I know I've been working with Donna. She's building a house, and I'd, she'd ask me a question, you know, what about pine? I'd send her, like, what, what do you think about this? And she'd say, okay. I'm like, need a little more energy for that, and I'd get back, pancakes. So that's what that word means. That means passion and energy and zeal. So I ask you, do you have a pancakes kind of response to God? Are you excited about Jesus being in your life in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Well, we're going to take this story, this little life lesson about enthusiasm, and talk about some of those kinds of things. When, when I look for examples of people that live passionately for God, the first place I go is the Bible. And the first person that comes to my mind is David. You know, David, described by God himself as a man after God's own heart. I mean, can you imagine such a compliment as God saying that about you? You know, David wrote many, many of the Psalms. And I just, when you read the Psalms and, and David just talking to God, his words are just full of intensity and passion. He uses phrases like, Lord, you are my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. Um, a Lord, a Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Just deep intensity in Psalm 51 when he is confessing his sin with Bathsheba and just created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then kind of a verse that I sort of picked as the theme verse today is Psalm 63:1, where he says, You, O Lord, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Those are just words of intensity as he relates to God. If you look for a New Testament example, the first person that I think of is Paul. Paul was a man, we first see him as Saul, and even as Saul, he is filled with religious zeal, brutal violence, and relentless persecution of the church. But upon his conversion, when he became Paul, he used all that energy, that religious zeal to not only work on his relationship with Jesus, 
Uh, we see in Philippians 3 where he says, but I want to know Christ, yes, to sh- the power of his resurrection and to share in his sufferings. And further on down in that passage in Philippians 3, he says, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Those are words full of energy and passion. He used that to not only develop his relationship with Jesus himself, but to bring others to him. In addition to individuals, and you may have some examples of your own that would come readily to mind, but there are also phrases and scriptures I know in the pink book that uh, I believe Nona prepared, she has a a number of scriptures and quotes there that that show these kinds of things, passion and energy. Um, Just a couple, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. And Romans 12.11 says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. There is obviously a biblical basis of living passionately for God. And why shouldn't there be? I mean, we have been given the greatest gift that we could ever hope to have, and that is the gift of eternal life. So what does that look like for us individually? How do we translate living passionately for God in what we do? Well, we're going to quickly look at three concepts. We're going to look at praise, prayer, and power. Um, We're going to start off with praise. And I chose praise first because I think it is foundational to our relationship with God. You know, we use praise a lot in in just our lives. We praise our children. We praise them for good behavior when they do well in school, when they excel in some athletic or creative talent that they have. Teachers do it with their students, employers, employees. When you're praising, you're just simply giving credit for a job well done or really just giving credit where credit is due. And that's what we do with God. We give credit to God, and he certainly is deserving of that. Gail led some praise songs for us that talked about some of those attributes of God, that he is sovereign, he is ruler, all-knowing, all-powerful, gracious, compassionate, just to name a few. When we're praising God for those things, we can't help but be grateful for all that he has done for us and realize that he is the most excellent being. Praise is a vital life, of a, li- a vital part of a life surrendered to God. So, again, if you, for me, if we're talking about using words to praise God, so how do we do that, praise God with our words? I go back to the Psalms. Again, just full of praise phrases and words. Um, entire chapters, actually, Psalm 8. Psalm 19, Psalm 150, 145, just to name a few. Um, on your scripture sheets there, there's some, I, these are on each of your tables. There's a section where it says that praise. Um, Psalm 96 is another one that is just full of phrases of praise. Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. So we can use our words to praise God, and you can just read the psalms back to God. Psalm 103, which has been put to music and we often sing, is Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord and forget not all of his benefits, how he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. 
Um, so we can use our words. We can verbally praise God. We can sing to praise God. Again, Gail sang some songs that we're praising God. We do that often in as collectively as a group on Sunday morning. You can praise God with song or your words in silence. I'm not in silence, but as a group or in just, you know, in solitude with yourself. Another way that you can praise God is, is just in silence. And I find myself praising God in silence. I think nature is a great catalyst for praise. When you're just experiencing nature, I know for myself, it often comes in one of those absolutely gorgeous Texas sunsets. There's nothing like a Texas sunset. The sky is just full of purples and reds and oranges and golds. And you just see the splendor of God and all of that and just stand in awe of his majesty. You can't help but do that. Earlier this month, Jeff and I were on the island of St. Croix. We were staying with some friends at their condo. And you walk off their back porch, just down a couple of steps, and you're on the beach. The water is about 20 or 25 yards out there, so just constantly you're just hearing the waves rolling in and hitting up on the sand. I'm always reminded of that song that says, Have you ever stood at the ocean with the white foam at your feet? Felt that endless thundering motion? Then I say, you've seen Jesus, my Lord, that's a moment of praise. That song also goes on to talk about the clouds suspended like feathers. Nature is just a time that you acknowledge God as your creator, that he is in control of everything. There's also biblical examples of clapping and shouting, praise with laughter, praise with tears. We can raise our hands high or we can bow our heads in humble submission. We can stand up fall prostrate. We can even praise God with our works. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, for by the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God. It does not matter how you praise him. Just that you do that, that you do it often, that you do it passionately, and that you do it with conviction. Secondly, we're going to talk about prayer. Are you passionate about prayer? Now, I'm not talking about prayers that are passionate, but people that are passionate about prayer. Um, There's a lot of information about prayer. We have books, there's blogs, quotes, seminars, sermons are preached. We have prayer models. It just seems like people struggle sometimes with prayer. I know, like for me, I just don't feel like I'm praying like I need to be praying. And so um, it is obviously a part of... vital part of a Christian walk because it's something that we, we just hear a lot about. And when we think of prayer, we think of it as being a conversation with God. And we typically think that we're talking to God. But when you think about what a conversation really is, ideally, you have a speaker and you have a listener. So not only should we be talking to God, but he, we should be listening to what he has to say to us. God uses prayer in a very unique way. He uses prayer to get through to us so that we can do things for him. When we're expressing our needs, God takes the the focus off of our needs and turns that onto the focus of his love and his power. He uses prayer to take our perspectives about how we view things or how we think things should be done, and he changes that to conform to his purposes so that we can 
accomplish his will. And his priorities become our priorities through prayer. C.S. Lewis, who is a noted Christian author and scholar, said, he understood what it was to be passionate about prayer. He said, I pray because I am helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. And is there a greater example of prayer than Jesus himself? We know that Jesus prayed so intensely in the Garden of Gethsemane that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Prayer was just a part of who Jesus was and what he did. He prayed when he was tempted, criticized, fatigued in body and spirit. He prayed for the power in healing. He prayed when making big decisions or any decision, really, and he prayed for others. There was no part of Jesus' life that he would not yield to prayer. So what are some characteristics of individuals passionate about prayer? Well, I'm just going to name a few, and you may have some others that you would think of too, but one of my favorite verses regarding prayer is in Psalm 5.3, and it says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. A person passionate about prayer is expectant. And this person in the Psalms, they just can't get out of bed in the morning without talking to God, like saying, I'm going to lay this before you, and I am just going to anxiously see what you're going to do with that, knowing that God is going to answer those prayers, knowing that it might not be that day, but just expectantly waiting to see what God is going to do with that. Colossians 4.2 says, be devoted to prayer. Devotion is both commitment and desire. Commitment to pray regularly, to, to be focused on what you want to pray for, to not pray hit and miss or hit haphazardly. And the desire is just to be in communion with God and just be talking to him. So be devoted in prayer. On the other hand, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says pray continually. So while we talked about praying regularly, and to me that's just kind of a committed prayer time, to be... Um, to pray continually is just to have an attitude of prayer. That as you're going through your day, that God is just never far from your thoughts when you're facing a decision to ask him for the guidance to help, to help you make that decision and to get through that situation. Or it just might be a, a prayer of thankfulness in a, in a moment that you feel particularly grateful. I know a lot of times we think of those as kind of bullet prayers that we just shoot up to God very quickly, but just an attitude of prayer and the ever-presence of God. And then the last one that I want to talk about is, um, is just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the role that the Holy Spirit plays in prayer. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I'm going to try to get through this next part. This, there was a time, the time, there was never a time in my life when this scripture hit more home than when my daddy was sick. It was in the fall of 2000. It's just a roller coaster kind of fall. I was living in Albuquerque at the time, going back and forth. I'd get a phone call, I'd be on a plane in two hours and, you know, spend a few days there, and then I would need to go back home. 
And I remember one time when I came home, I was just confused. Things weren't looking good for Daddy. It was just, it, like I said, just been this roller coaster up and down. Medically, it did not look good, but I didn't, I didn't know what to pray for because I did not want to undermine God. I mean, I know God can heal. I know God can perform miracles. And so I just fervently asked the Holy Spirit to intercede on my behalf and just pray the prayers that needed to be prayed. Well, unfortunately, Daddy did not survive. He died in December of that year. And, and while that was and still is very difficult, I have the peace that passes all understanding that you read about in Philippians 4. When you just lay things out for God and, and the Holy Spirit can help you do that. I have the peace that passes all human understanding because I know that I prayed the prayer that needed to be prayed on that day. So I, I, if when you are trying to get into that prayer life, that emotional, just a connection with God, it, it doesn't have to be tearful. It can be whatever position that you want to be in. But when you're moving towards a passionate prayer life and have that connection with Jesus, you will be renewed and you will not only pray passionately, but you will live passionately for him as well. The third thing that we're going to talk about is power. Now, I had a hard time deciding here what to use because there are just so many concepts that if we tap into the power of them that have great implications for us as Christians. We just then talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I know Don's been doing an entire class on the Holy Spirit. There's just so much information about that. That's a discussion in and of itself. What about the power of forgiveness? Um, what about if you look in Galatians 5, all of the, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and the others that are listed there, the power that they afford us if we just really tap into that. But for our purposes today, I chose to look at the power of God's Word. Being in God's Word is just so important to passionately living for God. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active. Living in us, it compels us to change. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates to dividing soul and spirit. It cuts through to the chase and helps us to determine right from wrong. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. And when it's doing that, it's compelling us to, to be introspective and to determine our moral and our spiritual values. The Word of God is sufficient for everything that we need. The Bible should be your go-to reference for every situation, every difficulty you encounter, every relationship that you're involved in. The Bible is sufficient for all that we need. And so I believe that in Psalm 1, it talks about a man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on this law he meditates day and night. This person wants to be in God's Word. He desires, he finds joy in being in God's Word, and he meditates on it. To meditate on it, you've got to know what it says. And so I think we need to be in our Bibles daily. I struggled with that for years as a Christian, just being in God's Word daily. There's so many ways that we can do that. You know, there's apps on your phone that shoot you a verse every morning, or you can get an email. There's Bible reading plans in the, in the back of your Bible or that you can get online. Um, there's 
Devo books, you know, just a short verse with a few little calendars that have verses on them, devotional Bibles, just so many ways to get us into God's Word. And for, I, don't, I don't know where you are in that, but I liken um, a, this habit of reading God's Word kind of like exercise. You know, exercise is something that we know we probably need to do, but we just don't want to do it. We know it's going to make us feel better and look better, We don't want to do it. So you take little baby steps. You join a gym or sign up for a class, enlist a a neighbor to start walking with you, and you do that a little bit, and you do it a little bit more, and then once you get going, you're like, well, you know, I feel good, and I, I look better, and so the exercise itself becomes the motivation for that. That's the way it is God's Word. You get in it. God is going to put on your heart, I want more and more and more. You're going to feel better because you're being fed spiritual milk. You're going to look better because it's God that is um, working in you and you are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory that we read in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And you're going to have more energy because God's working in you to act and to will according to his purposes and you are going to be stronger because God's word is in you to help you overcome the evil that may be around you. So when you're in God's word, after you're in there, God puts in your heart, reading it becomes the motivation for continuing to read it. I also believe in addition to reading the Bible, I advocate memorizing it. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your words in my heart. If you put them in your head, God's going to put them in your heart. When I lived in Albuquerque, there was, one of our elders there um, was getting up in years, and he, his vision was diminishing. His name was Bill Robinson, and he took a year's sabbatical from being an elder because he knew that one day he was not going to be able to read the Bible, and he just wanted to commit a great deal of God's Word to memory. I just thought that was such a noble thing to do, and I was just so inspired by that. I did not do it right away, but a few years later, I started my own little systematic routine way of memorizing Scripture. And I, I am not quite as diligent about it as I used to be, but like I said, God puts the word. I mean, I put the words up here, and God puts them in my heart, and it's so... Uh, amazing to me to be able to draw upon scriptures where I can quote them exactly or not or know exactly where they came from, but just know that those words are are what I need at that particular moment in time. Um, So I advocate memorizing God's word, and it is the absolute most precious thing that we possess. You know, Psalm 19 says um, that God's word is more precious than gold, than much pure gold. So if we're looking at living passionately for God, I encourage you to think about your praise. Do you just take the time to praise God and just to give those words back to him about how wonderful he is to you? Are you passionate about your prayer life? Or are you going to work on that a little bit? I mean, that's just something that I'm always working on is my prayer life with God. And finally, Draw upon the power of his word by reading it and committing it to memory. Just thinking about those things will help you live more passionately for God, to have that pancakes 
kind of response to God.